So thank you very much for that. It's very encouraging. First Peter chapter 5. Let's start in verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Well, there's a lot here in this text. There, there's volumes here in just these few verses that we could talk about. And um, it's tempting to try and talk about it, but really the thing that I want to focus on tonight is just this one little phrase at the end, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Tonight I want to talk to you about casting your anxieties on the Lord. And before we go and put that anxiety thing in a category where it only happens about once every three to four months when the big things happen, I want to give you a definition um, of anxiety that brings it down to everyday life. The definition of this word in the standard um, dictionary that kind of defines New Testament words is this. Anxiety means, in this particular word, quote, to be drawn in different directions. Right? You're going through your day and there's just things pulling at you. There's things on your mind. There's bills to be paid. There's something that's come up with your child. There's this situation with this coworker. There's a project that's not going quite right. There's just relationship type stuff. There's a myriad of things. There's all sorts of things. And what happens is they start weighing on their, your mind and they draw you in different directions. Anxiety is anything that does that. Anything. Here's what one comment, how one commentator defined this word. Anxiety signifies care by which the spirit is divided, part for God and part for unbelief which is in fact exalting self against God. And that's the connection with humility. It's an interesting connection here because he's talking about humble, humble yourself before the Lord, casting all of your cares on Him. There's not two verbs. There's only one verb. Humble yourself before the Lord. And the way that you do that is by casting your cares on Him, which is a pretty amazing thought in and of itself that the antithesis of Humility, of course, is pride. And pride is not casting your cares upon the Lord. So it, it, it really helps because then you can define it as anxiety is not just this unfortunate thing. When your mind's being, when you allow your mind to be pulled in all of these different directions, it's not just like an un, unfortunate mishap. It's sin. It's arrogance. And it really helps me when I take things kind of out of that, that's unfortunate label, and I label it sin. Then I can feel the gravity of it, and somehow that helps me get victory in it. Instead of kind of toying with these unbiblical categories. Now, we need to define something very quickly here. Because one of the devil's tricks with something like anxiety, anything that hits your mind and starts trying to pull, pull you in different directions, it is not sin 
in the fact that you have something that hits your mind and starts making you anxious. That moment when it hits your mind and all of a sudden you're tempted to, to have your mind drawn in different directions, we know that's not sin for a lot of reasons. One of them is which is because the exhortation is not don't let anything ever come into your mind that tempts you. The exhortation relates to what happens when something comes to your mind. The exhortation is not, don't let anything ever tempt you to become anxious. It's what are you going to do when that anxious thought comes? Are you going to keep it? Or are you going to cast it? That's important. Don't let, the devil make, don't let the devil confuse these categories of temptation versus sin, making you think that you've already sinned, when in fact all that's happened is you've been tempted. That's very important. What will you do when anxiety hits your mind? When something hits your mind that's going to pull you in multiple directions? Will you cast it or will you keep it? Well, according to our text, the cure for anxiety is faith and the care of Christ. Now that's amazing and that's important because too often we start with the problem, right? You've got this thing with anxiety, so you get down here, you get in the problem, these bills need to be paid, this relationship problem, this sickness, anything that can come and start kind of churning in your mind to draw you off into other things. We start with a problem and we try and start working it out from there. That's not where the Bible starts. The Bible never ever starts with the problem. The Bible always starts with God. You don't start with this particular issue Immediately in that situation, you go back to the foundation. He cares for me. I believe it. Once again, Christ cares for me. He cares for me. We see that in John 10. Let me just read this to you. Christ is contrasting himself between a, a hired hand and a real shepherd. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who's not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. You hear what he's saying? All these other false shepherds, all other false religions... Every other natural thing in the world, you won't find care there, but you'll find care in Christ. I know my own. He cares about you. He cares about you. Now, the problem is, we forget this with each new trial. You have to learn it about a hundred times a day. It's like the trial comes, I suffer in it, things don't go well, God just like, I mean, does something amazing, either takes the trial away or sustains me in the trial. And then it's like, yes, Lord, I can see. And it's so clear. And then the next trial comes and the process gets repeated over again. And I long for the day of just being able to walk more in victory in this area. I often feel like, and maybe you'll relate, the disciples in Mark chapter 4, they had seen Christ's miracle working love repeatedly. And yet, a storm comes up on the sea, and what do they say? They say, teacher, do you not care? Teacher, do you not care? 
That's the thought, isn't it? To draw this out some more, I'm reading, Rachel and I are reading, um, it's a commentary, but it's not really a commentary like you'd think of a commentary, and yet it's not sermons on Second, um, Second Samuel. This is good stuff. It's a guy named Rel, uh, Dale Ralph Davis, and it's just the name of the books are the title of, he, he goes all the way from Judges up to Second Kings. It's the best stuff I've ever seen on the Old Testament. Like, I, I've str- you know, struggled with how to apply the Old Testament to today. Some people seem like they're just making up stuff out of nowhere. Other people, it's like they don't apply it to today, and so it's really hard. This guy does a fantastic job. I mean, God has really gifted him. His name is Del Ralph Davis, and he illustrates a story about God's care and our lack of, of persistency in believing it. With this, he says, not long ago, newspapers told of an episode at the Brookfield, Illinois Zoo. A three-year-old toddler fell 18 feet into an area inhabited by seven gorillas. The lad would still be alert when taken to the hospital where he'd be listed in critical condition. But how did he ever get out of gorilla land? Binti, a seven-year-old female gorilla picked up the child, cradled him in her arms, and put him down near a door where the zookeepers could get him. I suppose the story seems amazing to us because we do not customarily associate gorillas with kindness. We may be grateful to Binti, but would prefer not to have to trust her with another child. I wonder if in our gut-level thinking we do not have a gorilla view of God's mercy. We tend to look upon mercy as a divine exception rather than as divine character. We know the truth, and we've seen this truth in our life of his mercy, but we prefer not to have to leave another situation completely to him. It's, It's true. It's true. So here's the exhortation tonight. Believe that Christ cares for you and cast all of your anxiety on him. Believe that Christ cares for you and cast all of your anxiety on him. Now, what does this look like? Um, Children, I'll need your help on this. Children, if you're here, I I need your help on, on 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 a situation. How many of you have ever been to a pool? All right. Got some swimmers. Good. All right. Have you ever seen... In a pool, maybe a daddy get into the water. He kind of walks. I should have wore the lapel. He walks into the water, and he's kind of standing by the edge. And then you'll see another child kind of walk over on the edge beside him and start standing there like this. Have you ever seen anything like that? A child standing on the edge of the pool, and the daddy standing in the pool going like this. And the child is going like this. Can anybody tell me what's, what's happening there? Has anybody ever seen that? All right, we've got a few. Well, the child is trying to get up the courage to... What's the child trying to get up the courage to do? Jump. 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 You can tell who's done that. The child's trying to get up the courage to jump. Now, let me ask you this. The dad's dad's looking at the child, and the dad says... He's holding up his hands like this, and he's saying, I promise... If you jump, I will catch you, okay? Now, let me ask you a very important question. How do we know if that child actually believes 
his dad will catch him. How do we know? If the child's standing up there ready to jump and the dad holds up his hands, he says, I promise if you jump, I'm going to catch you. How would we know if that little child believes if I jump, he'll catch me? Does anybody know? What do, you, what, do you th- what do you think that child would do if he believed, my dad will catch me? He would jump. He would jump. It's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, if you want to know, all right, you're watching, you're sitting over in your lawn chair. Here comes the child. Dad's in the pool. Dad says, if you jump, I'm going to catch you. It's like, all right, here we go. We're going to find out if this child actually believes, yeah, dad will catch me. Now, you can make it complicated. You could try and get, you know, like a bunch of like really smart adults to come out there and say, well, the way that we would know if this child is actually believing his father is through, and you can talk about all kinds of stuff that nobody really understands anyway. Or a bunch of us sitting in lawn chairs say, I can tell you how we know if, the, if he believes his dad. He'll jump. And what happens? He's up there. He's afraid. And finally, either through reflex or whatever... He finally gets enough, dad's going to catch me, and he jumps. And then what happens? Dad just bought himself a ticket to stay at the side of the pool for two hours. Because he's going to get back out, he's going to say, yes! He's going to get back out, and he's going to want to do it again, and then do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Right? Yeah, we've got some folks that have done this before. Why? What happens? Because when, when, in that child's mind, when that happens, he proves it. He sees, yes, dad catches me. And this is, this is, this is what happens. Dad is true, and he wants to do it again and again and again. And that's the same thing that happens with care and anxiety. When you come to the Lord... And you really begin to cast your anxieties on him. And you really begin to prove his love. You find that it is indeed true. You take your mustard seed of faith. And you bring these big things that are controlling your life. And pulling you in all different directions. And you roll them on the Lord. And you hand them to them. You find that those who trust him wholly find him wholly true. And you'll do it over and over and over and over again. And so that's what we want to do tonight. The invitation is to cast your anxieties on the Lord tonight and so prove the truth, the objective truth that he cares for you. Let's look at a few brief things here. Here is the action. Cast all of your anxieties on him. That first word, cast. What are we talking about here? We're talking about getting it off of yourself. It's very simple, but this is a very vital and essential thing. It's the idea that you get it off of yourself. This word actually comes up one other time in this form in the New Testament. And it's in Luke 19.35 related to the animal that was used on Palm Sunday, the donkey, for Jesus to ride on. And in verse 35, it says, They brought the donkey to Jesus, casting their garments on the colt. They sat Jesus on it. So the meaning here is very simple. Here comes this donkey. They cast their garments on the donkey, and the donkey walks off with their garments. 
They don't have the garment. They've casted the garment on the donkey, and now the donkey is carrying the garment. It's a very good picture of what we're talking about here, that it's not you've got one end of the board and Christ has one end of the board. You cast your burden on him so that the end result is Christ walks away with your burden. That's what we're talking about here. It's this picture, again, that we see in Luke 19. We can sum it up like this in Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a picture. If you cast your burden upon the Lord, you bring these anxieties to Him, He sends His warring peace that marches around your mind and guards your mind from anything that would bother you. What a picture. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You cast your burden upon the Lord. Cast all of your anxieties on Him. Here's a second aspect of this action. Cast all your anxieties on him. All of them. The anxiety can be as big as war between two nations. We read about that in 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat had a great multitude that had come up against him. And what happens? They come to him and they say this. A great multitude is coming against you. And it says, quote, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. You see that? Here comes, I mean, you talk about anxiety. Let an entire nation come up against you. He's, he's scared. And th- this, is, this is perfect. He is afraid, all right? It's not, it's not bad when that thing lands on you. It will flare up. You'll have this thing going on in your mind. But what does he do? It's not what happens immediately. It's not the act of it hitting It's what do I do then? It hits, he cast his burden upon the Lord. He immediately went and he sought the Lord in the thing. It can be small. Listen to Christ's words here. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. That is so endearing. He says, don't worry. God watches sparrows and you're worth more than a lot of them. The hairs of your head are numbered. You see how big the care of God covers and how small the care of God can get down to? Nations and hair. It covers everything. We see this perfectly illustrated um, in a text, and actually we can turn to this one really quick, 2 Kings 19, 2 Kings 19, and just the general idea here is whatever the problem, bring that specific anxiety to the Lord, whatever the problem may be, 2 Kings 19.
We'll start in verse 8. And what I want us to see here is bringing specific things to the Lord. It says this, Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard the king had left Lachish. When he heard them say concerning um, Terhaka, Hey, you guys know me. That's why I ask you to turn here. King of Cush, behold, he has come out to fight against you. He sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely. So will you be spared? Did the gods of those nations which my fathers destroyed deliver them? Even Gazan and Haran and Rezif and the sons of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Servaphium, and of Hena and of Eva? So Hezekiah gets this letter. This is the contents of the letter saying, Hey, listen, listen, don't, don't let God deceive you, okay? I, let's just talk history. Let's just talk facts here. There's never been anybody who's ever stopped us, ever. Just look, let's just talk history. We won't even talk about how much smaller you are than us right now. Let's just talk facts. So he sends them this letter to discourage them. And look what happens. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Cast all your anxiety on him. Lord, this is the specific problem that's bothering me right now. This king over here of Assyria, he wrote me this letter. Here's the exact problem, Lord. Will you please deal with this? You see that? Cast all your anxiety on him. Bring it to him specifically. Don't pray these general prayers of bringing all of your, quote, burdens to the Lord. Talk to him about your kids. Talk to him about money. Talk to him about health. Talk to him about relationships. Talk to him about how bad you hurt. Bring all of these things to the Lord and do just like what Hezekiah did. He laid them out before the Lord. He laid them out before the Lord. Here's the third aspect of your action. Cast all of your anxieties on him. On him. I like this from Spurgeon. Here's what Spurgeon said. He said, I heard of a man who was walking along the high road with a pack on his back. He was growing weary and was therefore glad when a gentleman came along in a carriage and asked him to take a seat with him. The gentleman noticed that he kept his pack strapped on his shoulders. And so he said, why do you not put your pack down? Why, sir, said the traveler, I did not venture to impose It was very kind of you to take me up, and I could not expect you to carry my pack as well. Why, said his friend, do you not see that whether you carry your pack, whether your pack is on your back or off your back, I have to carry it? My hearer, it is so with your trouble. Whether you worry or do not worry, it is the Lord who will care for you. Man, that's liberating. That is so liberating. Because the reality of it is tonight, God will work in your life. He will, he will cleanse you from all of your sins. But in another way, the pressure's off. He will carry you. 
he will carry you and he invites you to bring it directly to him. That can be what is so frustrating often about having to or trying to work with a big company when you need something. Like, have, I don't know if you've ever done that. You've ever had like a major company and you need to call them. The first order of business is Googling around and finding the, the angelic soul who listed their number plainly on their blog because the company would not. So you finally get this number and then what happens? You have to work through this maze of punching in just the correct numbers as they call them out. You know, it's like if you're option number 63, press 63. And so you finally get through that and you get a person. And what happens? You pretty much know the first person you get is not going to be able to help you. Right? I mean, it happens just about every time. Now, imagine this. What if you called... Let's just say Amazon. Amazon actually, I think, has very good customer service, so we'll pick on them. You call Amazon one day. You've got this order that you need to work out that seems to be confusing. It rings one time, and the phone picks up, and, and you hear, this is Jeff Bezos, CEO. What can I do to make your day better? <laughs> That's a very different customer experience, Right? Now think of that. Think of how shocked you would be. The CEO of Amazon with the whole company at his disposal is in the phone, is on the phone and just basically said, with my unlimited resources, how can I make your day better? That's amazing. Now think of this. Jesus Christ runs the entire world. And he doesn't send you to a suggestion box or the next available customer representative, what does he say? He says, come unto me. He says, come to me, which is so beautiful. This is, this is amazing. Don't take these truths for granted. There are other religions that are teaching, you need to go through a priest. There are other religions that are teaching, you need to jump through all of these hoops, and then finally one day you may be able to talk to God. Contra all of that, Christ holds out his hands in Matthew chapter 11 and he says this, come to me, come directly to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He upholds the world by the power of his word. Amazon.com holds together by his word. All these world, the United States, Europe, the Middle East, all, all the stuff that's happening, the only reason it can happen is because Jesus Christ has said, hold together. And in the midst of running the universe, he looks at you in Kirksville, Missouri, us, Little old us, with all of our petty little cares and the things that bother us and try and pull our mind in different directions, he looks directly at you and he says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Bring all of your anxiety on me. Why? Because I care for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he cares for you? You can prove that. We can summarize it, and there's no better way to summarize it than this. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord, 
and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. So why don't we sing that? Um, that's number five in the, in the white book. Number five in the white book. And here's the thing about this song. You can sing about casting your burden upon the Lord and not actually cast your burden upon the Lord. That's the danger with singing hymns and not having the reality of them. For some of you, it may be right not to actually sing this, but to just do it. To cast your burden upon the Lord. If there's something that's pulling your mind in different directions, cast it on the Lord. So let's sing this song. Number five in the white book.